What is up, book lovers? Welcome back to another episode of Hey, I'm Writing, the podcast where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the messier side of the publishing world that people don't often talk about and the origin stories of your favorite authors and books. In this episode, we are actually chatting with author K.B. Ann, who I discovered during the course of our interview actually lives 40 minutes from me. Pretty cool, right? Now, we haven't met in person, and this is the first time that we got to hang out together, but she's got some really great advice for new authors, especially on how to stay healthy as you are getting into this industry and how to create a really great group around you. So buckle up. We're going to dive in. We're going to talk to author KB Ann about how she started her origins within the publishing world. KB, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm so excited. This is our first time hanging out, and I can't wait to chat with you today. We're going to get into your publishing life, how you joined the publishing industry, and how you got your first book out. So how did you get into the publishing industry? Well, you know, I was toying around with the idea of indie publishing, and I just kind of started to research, started to talk to people, found some talk podcast, talked to some friends, and then I was like, let's just do it. So I decided to uh, Wide Awake came out in October of 2018, and I've just been plugging away at it ever since um, and with a more rapid release schedule now. So, Which I love. I'm a huge fan of the rapid release schedules. How has that been working for you? Do you like it? Um, <laughs> well, let's see. My rapid release is like three months instead of the, you know, the other people do like a month to two months. So, um, but I am huge into, I have an amazing editor and she likes to take almost a month to work on it. And her and I go back and forth and she really gets my personality. So it works for me right now. I also, because I'm not full-time as an author, I, also have to work in there and have three kids and all of that kind of stuff. So I just do. Um, so I work the best that I can because what was happening early on when I was writing, I was staying up super, super late at night, you know, uh, surviving on caffeine and sitting all the time. And I start to have some different, like not physical issue. Well, physical limitations that I've like gotten much better about. So so I've tried to balance it more so I'm not just writing all the time. So I totally get that. Talk to me a little bit about your writing schedule because you're not a full-time author. You do have other things going on in your life. So what does that look like for you so that you can accomplish your books? Okay. So I usually write uh, Mondays are a dedicated uh, writing time. Tuesday mornings, uh, then I go to yoga because yoga is important for stretching. All writers need to do yoga. Um, and then Wednesdays, I will write. So I mean, so it's two full days a week, um, you know, in a in a snapshot of time. So like maybe from 1030 to two, um, you know, so it's a four hour time slot. And then uh, maybe a little bit on Fridays. Uh, and then two other days a week, I have to, I do a social media promotion for two real estate offices. So that's kind of helps to uh, pay the bills that way. So, and at one time I was a developmental editor, so I was spending a lot of time on other people's manuscripts and I just kind of wanted to get away from that. So at least uh, with the social mode media promotion, I can um, still create content. So, which is what I like to do. 
content creation is one of my favorite things. And I know you've been in the publishing industry for about a year now. Mm -hmm. I want to take a look at what you've learned over that time. So when you were just starting out, what did you learn that could possibly benefit our listeners? <laughs> oh, I have made so many mistakes. I am... I feel like I'm not, I'm an expert on mistakes. How about that? So I had the first book come out and I did, you know, I put some time, I put a lot of money behind it and promotion. Um, and I probably shouldn't have, I, I, I spent a lot of money on advertising and creating uh, ads and everything. And it just kind of, I, I wasn't writing as much. So, you know, I was writing a little bit here or there, but I didn't focus on that. And I probably just should have spent more time writing to, you know, to get that second book out and then the third book out. So I also, you know, I tried to have a partnership with somebody um, who would also write contemporary fantasy. It was going to be a co-writing project and that failed, but also that was in that month and a half, two month time frame. So I kind of, it put me in behind a little bit. So I just kind of, you know, and I delved into some other genres and I just, my heart kept going back to fantasy and contemporary fantasy and urban fantasy. So, you know, I lost some time along the way and then I was burnt out this summer just because I was doing so many different books under different genres and I just took some months off and then came back fully energized in September. So when the third book launched uh, for Dark Moon, it I put more time into the promotion of Wide Awake. So I focused more on the first book of the series and now, you know, I'm plug, you know, the next book will be out in January sometime. As soon as my editor gets it back to me. <laughs> So we know that when we are marketing books, it tends to be a little hard to market the first book if you don't have those subsequent books out. Now that you actually have more of your series out, have you found a big difference when it comes to marketing in the buy-through that you're getting? I actually do. I definitely see it's worthwhile to even do a short period of time with uh, a giveaway for the first book, like a free booksy kind of event. The, re the read-through rate just continues to go up. So I definitely see that importance of that as long as, you know, you have the links in the back of your existing books, you know, like always link to the next book. I actually heard somebody say that they put up a pre-order on their next book in the series just to make sure that they have the link that they can put in the book in case they don't remember to go back and put it in the back matter of, you know, an, a prior book. So, you know, so it's something where I'm thinking about those things more now too. That's one of those things that I find, especially with the links in the back matter of the book and getting the pre-orders up, that really tends to boost a lot of people's buy-through sales. I think that's a really important thing to do. So I'm glad you brought that up. But because you did bring that up, I, I want to know, you've been in the industry for a year now. Mm -hmm. What have you learned in that time that could benefit some of our listeners? How have you grown? How have you changed? And what do you, as a one-year author, know that could really help us out? I think the biggest thing for new authors is to just focus on writing those other books, is to, you know, have them ready so they are ready to go out within a month to two months afterwards so you're not always rushing to get 
those things done because you spend a lot of time on creating an ad or creating a Canva and really, you know, looking back now, the money that I spent on advertising and ads, I really should have just been writing the next book, you know, and then thinking about it later. So, and the other thing too, is to develop that strong writer or reader team, I should say a reader team to start to review and all those things. So that's actually my next step in this process is to get a good street team together of, you know, dedicated readers who will read through all of my books and spread the love everywhere. <laughs> Creating a team is so incredibly important, especially when it comes to readers who are going out there and evangelizing about your books. But I want to know, have you built a team of professionals and other authors and people within the industry that support you? I do. I actually have a ton of friends, you know, from different life experiences. So my editor is amazing. I love her. The cover designers that I have are both from Germany and their husband wife teams. So what happened was, is I bought the first cover and talked to her about getting on the schedule. And then her husband, which I didn't know it was her husband at the time, had a book and I was a cover that came out and I was like, I need that for Blood Moon. So you know, and then, so I kind of, I've bought covers from both of them and gotten on their schedules because they're, they're so far out, you know, the primary designer Ravenborn covers, she is so far booked out that, you know, her husband is Taurus Coliseum or that's his, his reader group, I guess. But, you know, so, you know, so those are the team you know, the cover designers that I love to have for this. And then I also have a lot of friends who are promotions. Um, Scarlett Cole and I are from uh, Inkspell Publishing. We kind of got to meet each other through Inkspell and a few other people that I've met through my other publishers have become good friends of mine. And I've also reached out to other people. So yeah, I need to focus more on my fantasy followers and friends. But that's the next step of growing that for 2020 is part of my goal. So now that you're looking forward, I actually want to take a look back. What obstacles have you faced along the way and how have you overcome them? So I think that part of my, I didn't have the focus the first year on just this series. You know, I thought about other genres and other categories and spent time writing in those. And it was, I enjoyed it. So it wasn't a waste of time because I was still writing, but the focus more. And I've also kind of, I am completely dedicated to my writing space and my writing time. So I protect that like nobody's business. So I have different clients that I do work for and they, if they try to contact me before 1 PM on the days that are my writing, I don't even get back to them, you know, like they need to know. So I set like very strict rules as to when I'm writing and you know, the only people that can interrupt me are my kids. <laughs> I will answer the phone or text for them, but I will not for anybody else. And generally they're in school, so they shouldn't be contacting me. And if they are contacting, Protecting me, then I need to answer that phone. So, and I think that's really important because protecting your writing space and your writing time is absolutely essential. And for people who don't do that, they are not accomplishing what they need to get accomplished and they don't have that focus and that drive. So, 
that actually brings me to my next question. I want to talk a little bit about your writing space. So talk to me about where you sit, what you do, what your physical surroundings look like. And then I want to get into what's on your screen. So what's your physical surroundings like? Okay. So usually I have two spaces where I write. Well, first it's a crystal. I always wear this crystal and it just kind of, I've had it since I was 17 and I am no longer 17. I've been 17 <laughs> a long time ago, but so that's kind of my, that kind of sets me in the mood. It kind of is my creative juice for it. And then I either sit at my desk. I have a beautiful library with bookcases. You can see the bookcases and my desk is also that same cherry wood. So I'll sit at my desk and I have my, um, I have an, an extra monitor above it. So I'm not just looking down because that's important too, is that writers often tend to look down too much with their necks uh, and they'll develop back issues. And even um, with a chiropractor, you know, you, we start to turn in even when we're trying to put ourselves back. So I make sure that I'm usually at my desk. And then I also have like a lumbar support pillow. <laughs> Because if you don't have the lumbar support in your back, your back will eventually curve in or curve out. I don't know what it does, but it causes problems. So um, so I sit there and then I also have a favorite chair that I will sit at in the mornings typically. And I'll write in that little space. So my legs are stretched out and I just write. But I always have a candle burning and uh, I have a salt lamp. And I just kind of, it's kind of just gets me into the groove of the writing. So those are the two spaces where I write. So talk to me a little bit about what your computer screen looks like. What windows do you have up? Are you using different programs? How are you organizing yourself as you're writing? So usually what I do is I use Scrivener. I used to use Word and it was bananas and it took so long to load. So I am an advocate for Scrivener. I am a pusher. So I tell everybody to use Scrivener now. And even people that are reluctant and like to use Word, I bring up my, I pull up my Scrivener screen and then I will show them what I can do, how I can just easily move a scene up and down um, and just include back matter. And I don't even use, I don't even use Scrivener as much as most people, you know, I just, you know, cause I don't want to take the time to learn all those things and maybe it would be beneficial to me, but it's Scrivener is my way of life. And that's the only thing that I have open. But what I will do is I have a three ring binder. So that has my world rules in it. It'll have my style sheets that my editor provided me in the beginning. So now I just use that because she took, she put everything into a very specific timeline. So, and she also used the characters, you know, so she created the glossaries. So I've just kind of built off of those now, you know, she did that for wide awake and I've just continued to build off of those. So I usually have a three ring binder right by me. Um, I will also initially when I had to rework wide awake into a multiple book series rather than one book, you know, because I dumped everything in it in the beginning, I, I did old school. So I like to have like a piece of paper and I like to have post-it notes. So I'm a big fan of awesome office supplies. So I always have office supplies floating around. And then I also use a journal. So I used to, I would just write notes in it um, and ideas. So if I'm someplace or it just kind of triggers a different part of the brain to think about my world and I'll look through 
different ideas. I don't do all of my writing now in the journal. I just kind of work through ideas and just kind of take a moment if I am stuck someplace that I would do that. But on my screen itself, I only have Scrivener open. Okay, listeners, we have to take a little break to hear a quick word from one of our affiliates, but then we're going to dive back in and talk all about KB's world building and how she does that. If you don't love the witch in Hansel and Gretel's story, you don't actually know the true story. I'm K.M. Robinson, author of Sugarcoated, which is a Hansel and Gretel retelling where their witch was actually on their side. Annika's job is to create a cake to match the candy-colored rooftops, nightly fireworks shows, and daily parades ending in unexpected executions for the Mad King's Ball. But her true mission is to sneak a 13-year-old assassin into the palace inside her cake using the gift of illusions. Hansel's job is to protect his little sister Gretel once she assassinates King Levin and ends the destruction in Kandestrachen using his power over light to rescue the young girl from the chaos her influence over life and death will create. When the entire forest reconstructs itself under Gretel's command while trying to save herself from the king's guard, Hansel and Annika must put their feelings aside and ensure their plan holds true, even if it means one of them has to sacrifice themselves to protect the mission. Her illusions were meant to save her, but not everyone will survive the assassination attempt. Sugarcoated is perfect for fans of A.G. Howard's Splintered, Veronica Roth's Divergent, and Marissa Meyer's Cinders. You can check it out at sugarcoatedinfo.kmrobinsonbooks.com. Okay, let's dive back in. So as you're world building, what is your process to make sure that you are getting everything correct and that you actually have everything listed the way that you need to so that you aren't making mistakes or having to go back and fix things as you're writing? So in the beginning, I had uh, a giant board with the post-it notes on there of the different characters and each role that they would play. So because I was contemporary fantasy I started in a contemporary setting, but I needed to have those fantastical elements. So I wanted to make sure that there was still magic in the very beginning of it. So I also had journals that I would write down different characters. And then my editor also created a glossary for me. And I have a three ring binder that I keep track of the world building. You know, originally I created some major worlds, you know, different rules that my world has and the way that the magic works. So I refer back to that binder often just to kind of look at things and it's kind of part of my brain and how I think now, but I still have that as a basis. So I just continue to build off of that and double check, you know, what character is able to do. And sometimes, you know, you have very specific rules that you create in the beginning, especially for each character. So you need to follow that rule. So there's one character I would love to bring back, but I cannot bring back because it would violate every single rule that I have created. So unfortunately that character will not return. Oh, that's so sad when that happens. I know. (laughs) Sometimes the rules trip us up, don't they? They do. So, you know, but it's good. It's, you know, it's something to consider for the future. So, but rules are super important to the integrity of the story and the world that you're creating. They really are. And I find that sometimes you create these worlds and these rules and these characters, and then your characters will come in and want to change some things on you. Have you ever had issues where your characters come in and just like totally take over? Yes, I actually, so, you know, like I am not a big outliner. I I think I, I shift between plots or, 
of a plotter, basically. The pantser and the plotter. And I will create a basic outline because sometimes those characters come in and they're just like such a scene stealer. So even for this next book that I am working on, it was mainly going to be from a brand new character's point of view. And then these other characters were going to join her. And then really Gigi is the main character of the entire series. And Gigi was like, no, she doesn't get her own book. She needs to share the dual point of view with me. So that often happens. So she's a very strong character and she needs to have her part in it. She doesn't just want to be like a secondary character of a book. So. I totally understand that. I've definitely had some characters who have kind of taken over and changed things and had it their way instead of mine. It's been a little bit of a, a contentious point with us, I think. <laughs> and sometimes you write a seed and you're like, what just happened? How did this? I didn't even, this isn't supposed to, according to my outline, this wasn't going to happen and it did. So yeah, <laughs> it's always it the way. All the time. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun when they come in and they just have to have their say on that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, Definitely. I know that you've been writing for, well, you've been published for a year. You've been writing for even longer than that. So how has your writing process changed from the time you started to now? So the beginning, the first books that I wrote, uh, it was definitely vomit draft. <laughs> vomit draft. And then, uh, but I have found is that my writing has become more specific and it's not, I don't need to do a lot of editorial in it. Then about a month ago, what I noticed is because you sit so much, you know, you sit to write, you sit to edit, you sit to do all of these things in addition to whatever your job might be if you're required to sit for that. So I wanted to make sure that I was being better about my body. So I began to try a uh, voice dictation. So I, was I was attempting NaNoWriMo, NaNoWriMo, but I had to also finish book four. And I was like, well, let's just start a new series for NaNoWriMo and try to do the two. And I'll just do that as voice dictation because it won't count. You know, they won't count basically as I, you know, my brain will be okay. And so I became so addicted to voice dictation and I saw the benefits of it that I actually began writing, finishing book four with the voice of dictation. So I was actually like folding laundry, which I do not do. I do not clean. So I would write it, you know, I would do the voice of dictation in 15 to half hour increments. And that just really sped up my entire writing process. So I'm a huge advocate of it now. I think that's really the way to go for lots of people. Now, what do you do when you're using your dictation? Do you have a specific program? Is it built into your computer? What works for you? So uh, an old podcast that I listened to suggested that every uh, Google, you know, Google Docs and Word also have Dragon software built into them. So I it was like, oh, let me just give it a go. So I have an app on my phone for Google Docs and I just open it up and I do the voice dictation that way just so I can save some money right now because Dragons is great, but I just didn't want to put that money into that because I'd rather put it into the editorial part of my books. So, and it has worked really well, you know, and you get used to, I found now that I don't even want to write emails. I will do uh, voice dictation for emails or sometimes text and then 
when I actually call somebody, I might actually say period or exclamation mark. And I was like, oh no, this is actually like a voice, <laughs> a voice message, not a text or email. So that was pretty funny. But That's so I, yeah, so it works really well for me. That's so hilarious. I love that. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into this dictation. As you're doing this, you're using a free program built into Google Docs. So mm -hmm. when you go back and you're actually editing your work, do you find that it's missed a lot or you have to change a lot of words or is it pretty good at capturing what you're saying? So I think it's amazing at capturing what, it's, what I'm saying. It, what I mean the mistake of is I shifted the point of view of a character. So I had her in first person present tense and I shifted her to third person past tense and I also had some spacing issues so that took some time you know and that was just me just talking and then realizing later that I wanted it to be a different point of view so it took me a little bit longer for those aspects in the beginning but it was very accurate especially in the house I've walked around the block and I will do voice dictation which is generally how I think anyway and I used to do like a voice recorder to give me myself ideas for later. So I use the voice dictation instead and it is super accurate. The only thing I found is that when I'm driving sometimes that it can be wrong. You know, like I'll try to do it as I'm driving someplace. And when I went back to look at that, there was actually a lot of mistakes. So I've learned along the way. What I was doing in the very beginning is when I started it and I was doing the voice dictation at the house, I went back to edit it and I realized that it was just a waste of time right then because it was so accurate as to what I wanted to do. And then I did the car rides and I saw some more mistakes, but those are just little things, you know, I won't probably do as much voice dictation in the car, at least not right now. So we'll see, but I am an advocate of it. From a time perspective, do you find that with recording it and editing it, how does that fit into how you were writing it? Is it about the same time frame or does it take a little bit more time or a little bit less time for you? So what I did find is because in my fourth book, Shadow Moon, which will be out in January, that the one character, Gigi, super easy. I didn't have to go back and do anything for that. So it saved me a significant amount of time. For the other character, Kyre, she took longer. And that was really just because I changed her point of view and the tense of it. So, but I think going forward in the future, now that I know exactly who she is, you know, she continued to reveal herself to me. So now it'll be a much faster process. But you know, so it did, it did take me longer. It maybe took me two to three hours of editing and processing through that in the beginning where Gigi just, you know, it was much, much faster. So I, as you get to know your characters and you get better at the process, it just enhances your writing time. So as you are dictating, do you go back paragraph by paragraph? Do you do a passage by passage to edit? Or do you kind of just record your longer passages and then when you're all done, go back and look at your editing? In the beginning, I did go back and edit. You know, I would do like a 5, 10, 15 minute speaking jag, I guess, because it's not a writing jag, it's a speaking jag. And then I would go back and edit it. And I found that it was so accurate, especially with 
my main character that I didn't, it was just a waste of time and I didn't need to do that. So in the moving forward, I went into longer speaking assignments. So basically what I did is I took the Google doc, copy pasted it into my Scrivener into a scene. So I work by scene. So once the scene was done, then I might go back and glance at it just to trigger what the next scene will be. But generally, I don't go back. I just keep moving forward now. So well, KB, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate all this great information that you've given us. But before you go, I do want to hear about your advice to some of our listeners. So for somebody who is an aspiring author who just wants to get into the industry or is maybe working toward becoming an author, what advice would you have for them? Aspiring authors, I recommend that you read in your genre. Do not worry about when you're writing that you're going to use the words of another author because you're still going to have your spin to the story. But keep reading all the time, nonstop. Search for advice. Find some groups on Facebook. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, young adult author groups on Facebook that are fantastic. So you can check those out. And kind of stalk them a little bit if you want to, because that's generally what I do. And then now I'm starting to ask more questions and interact more because I feel like I have more to say, but really just listen to people, you know, find even that person who would be a good critique person for you to work with, to kind of get you moving into the process. And also make sure that that person is somebody who also writes what you write it helps tremendously just because of different points of view, but still be like a ninja protecting your own writing process. So you listen to people, what people have to say and take their advice, but also don't change your story and don't lose your voice by listening to everybody else's input. For the listeners who are brand new authors, they had a book out within the last couple of months or their book is coming out in the next few months. What advice would you have to offer them? Just keep thinking about the next book. You know, even if you could wait, that's probably what I would have done is I would have waited to put my first book out when my second one was nearly ready to go and just do a little closer together. But I was impatient and that's kind of who I am. And I dive into things and just figure it out later. But for upcoming authors, I recommend just being patient and taking your time and try to get, you know, two or three books out and ready to go. They say that three books is the key to really having a series begin to take off. And I definitely have seen that in the last few months as my third book released in October of this year. And with my fourth book coming out in January, you know, it'll just continue that process. So take the time. Don't hurry to put first book out until you have your second book or third book done and ready to go. Now for the established authors who are listening to the podcast, what advice do you have as somebody who's been in the industry for a little while? So what I recommend is to think more about the business side of your company because now is the time to do marketing and to start promoting your books because you've had more and more books come out. So that is my goal for 2020 is to spend time in the afternoon 
to, you know, expand my reach, whether it be from finding new readers through a street team or to find other friends who can help promote your books and to work together and bounce ideas off of and to seek assistance where you need it. And uh, let's be friends. I want to contact people and talk to people and find friends to work with. So just reach out and find other people to help you. Fantastic. Before I let you go, I do want to hear a little bit about your books. So what do we need to know about your series? So my series, The Wide Awake, The Goddess Chronicles is book one. It is Gigi discovers that witches, werewolves, and magic aren't just bedtime stories, they're her story. So I take Celtic mythology and I incorporate it into a contemporary setting. So Gigi is actually the goddess Bria reincarnated and there's Scott and there are other gods and reincarnated gods that come along the way. So I really adored the series and we venture into other worlds and the shadow realm. And there's all different kinds of things that happen in it, but it's all based on Celtic mythology, loosely in a new setting. So where can everybody find you on social media to reach out and connect with you? So I love talking to new people. I love making friends. You can find me at, at Kim Briggs Wright for all social media platforms. That is on Instagram is where I spend most of my time now. I will also do some Facebook I'm in a lot of the Facebook groups and I will do some Twitter, but I generally only check into the 5 a.m. Writers Club. I, I don't use Twitter as much now just because of time commitments. So Instagram is kind of like where my jam is. So find me on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate all of your insight and all of your advice. And we can't wait to have you back on the podcast again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm super excited and I can't wait and enjoy the snowy weather. So there you have it, friends. Another look at an incredible origin story for authors that you know and love. And if you have an author you would love to see on Hey, I'm Writing, the Young Adult Edition spin-off podcast, I would love to hear from you. Come on over to HeyImWriting.com and drop me a line and let me know who you would love to see on the next episode of Hey, I'm Writing. And actually, next week, I'm super excited because we are welcoming a dear friend of ours from Young Adult Edition. Her name is Elise Kova. You guys know her. You love her. And you are going to love this interview. It is so good. It is so packed with helpful advice. I can't even tell you how excited I am to release this to you guys. So hit the subscribe button and make sure that you do not miss Elise Kova's episode coming up next Saturday here on Hey, I'm Writing. And if you can't wait until next Saturday make sure you come over to facebook.com slash young adult edition and let us know over on young adult edition, our live broadcast talk show every single Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern that you want to see more authors just like this, both on our live broadcast talk show and here on the spin off podcast. Every single Monday on Young Adults Edition, we hang out with fabulous authors, talk about breaking book world news, new releases for the week, and a special bookish topic. And then every single Saturday, we drop a brand new episode of Hey, I'm Writing, where we take a look behind the scenes at the messier side of the publishing world and author origin stories, advice, tips, and tricks for people who are getting into the industry or just want to see how their favorite book was created. I'm K.M. Robinson, your host for Hey, I'm Writing, the Young Adults Edition spin-off podcast, and I'll see you guys again next Saturday. 
Saturday as we drop a brand new episode featuring the fabulous Elise Koba right here on Hey, I'm Writing. See you then.